Yeah. It's SFS podcast number 48. I've just come back from the toilet where I just had a big masturbate. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. You see, there's so many critics out there um, in this day and age. Um, like, I'm listening to a podcast um, about wrestling, and these people are criticising wrestling. I mean, if you're criticising it so much, what's the point in watching it? I get it. Right? I'm not a creative writer or anything. I get it. In When I watched it in the Attitude Era, Every show, Raw or Smackdown, I would look forward to watching it. I'd be invested in the storyline, what was going to happen next, the presence, that The Rock was going to be there, that Stone Cold was going to be there, that Triple H, The Undertaker, was going to be there because of the stars that they had. You know, that's what made loads of people tune in. The fact that they had everything, the hardcore championship 24-7 rule, which I loved. Yeah, the backstage vignettes, the storylines, and the gimmicks. The locker room was full of talent. So I know what they're saying, and the matches had stories to them. But the quality of matches in the first half of the Attitude Era wasn't very good as the second part. And you know what I'm going on about. The first part, I'd say, from 97 to late 1999, it was all about the storylines and the attitude and Stone Cold's and Man's rivalry and the upcoming of The Rock and... Undertaker and Kane but they didn't have a star-studded roster and Vince Russo was responsible for the success of the first half of the Attitude Era but that weren't the best the second half was because you had everything it's like the, the first half of the Attitude Era was great but all around, it was just the Attitude Era. In 2000, in 2000, early 2001, you had the whole package. So, um, I know what they're saying, but in 2000, in 2001, they had the storylines as well. They had it all around. Like, the main storyline before then was... Austin and Vince which is probably the best storyline ever but in 2000 they had all types of storylines with the hardcore division the Eddie Guerrero China relationship the Crash Holly doing all his crazy things and the right to censor and what they did to China um, Kurt Angle's uh, storyline with Stephanie um then you had um, The Rock rivalry with Triple H, the McMahon Helmsley era, and then McMahon Helmsley faction. Uh, the thing at the Royal Rumble with The Rock and The Big Show. 
then you had Austin come back and um, one of my favourite storylines was Austin coming back and looking for the guy who ran him over um, and then you find out it was Rikishi that storyline I was so invested in and um, then you thought it was The Rock that was the mastermind behind it but it happened to be Triple H which made great sense because Triple H was the biggest heel in the Attitude Era and a lot of people underestimate that rivalry that Triple H and Austin had and um, apart from that man I think Triple H and Austin had one of the best rivalries ever they both, you could both invest about how much they hated each other but then again when Austin come back after um, him getting a run over after he had his neck surgery he was having better wrestling matches he was having great matches with Triple H that 2 out of 3 falls match the best match ever he had with The Rock at Wrestlemania then the match in 2001 he had against Kurt Angle and then obviously it went downhill from there with but only 5% with the Rock and Austin slowly leaving and then it became more about in-ring action which today we talk about oh it's all this in-ring action stuff but the best era of in-ring action was in 2003 and 2002 when you had Guerrero at his top you had Lesnar, you had Angle, the SmackDown roster, because they split brands with the SmackDown roster, Edge, R Mysterio, the Guerreros, Benoit, Kurt Angle, Lesnar, um, A-Train, Big Show, all on that show, Undertaker, you just had great matches and you had the Cruiserweight division which was popular in WCW now they criticise all they do now is criticise what's going on today which I can see why they criticise it but at the end of the day they're criticising Fastlane and the uh, Nakamura match at the start which was a good match I mean you want a good match that's what wrestling's about, having good matches. Take a look, look back at the Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart, who are experts in wrestling. What makes wrestling is a good match. I understand that there's not much story behind it. Like a lot of storylines today are just completely useless. But... um can't criticize everything is what I'm saying that happens because some of it is good some of the wrestling matches are good and to criticize Seth fucking Rollins is bad because Seth Rollins should be in 2015 that character he was the future but before that you had Daniel Bryan CM Punk that were going to be like the future Brian had the injury and Punk left. So then you had the Shield come in. And then you had Seth Rollins as champion. Which was better than having Roman Reigns as champion. 
He's a great heel champion. You need to turn Seth Rollins back heel. He's one of the best performers in the ring. And um, the thing is that they're criticizing champions. Now, for a long time, no, the United States Championship didn't mean anything, or the Intercontinental Championship didn't mean anything. But, who's been holding the United States Championship this past year? Kevin Owens. Top guy, AJ Styles. And Bobby Roode. Well, I haven't been watching it, Bobby Roode, much recently. I haven't been watching wrestling much recently. But um, why not have Bobby Roode as United States champion, then move him on to bigger things? And the Intercontinental Championship has um, made more sense in years because The Miz has made that title important again. The Miz will go down as a classic Intercontinental Champion. I think of all the Intercontinental Champions in history, The Miz will go down as one of the greats of being the Intercontinental Champion. Could you, yeah, you've had a lot of top guys hold it and everything, but not persistently like The Miz has. The Miz is like the honky-tonk man of this generation of Intercontinental Championships. You see, they've got the characters there, like Elias, Strowman's coming into character. Strowman's probably the hottest um, act they've got in wrestling at the moment. Um, and you've got the wrestlers like and like Seth Rollins, who's got a personality with him. Uh, Finn Bowler, and got AJ Styles and Nakamura. Now, I agree, I don't think Nakamura should win at WrestleMania. I think AJ Styles should keep on to the title. AJ Styles is that guy who should have carried the company. Rather than Cena, to be honest. My big disappointment is Reigns versus Lesnar. Because we all know if Lesnar's leaving, we all know who's going to fucking win the match. And um, I didn't know AJ Styles was going to win Fastlane match that's why i give it a 4.5 because i thought cena might win and vince was going to rub it in the fans faces they don't understand they don't understand that fucking people are tired of seeing john cena be in main event spots and they're saying oh cena should face the undertaker rather than Rey mysterio uh-uh Undertaker retired a fucking year ago. He should not come back. He should have not even lost to Reigns last year. Right, I'm going to tell you this. When I was watching WrestleMania 30, I had the feeling, soon as Brock Lesnar's music hit, that Brock Lesnar was going to win that match. I thought Brock Lesnar was going to win that match. Before, when he was walking down that ramp, I thought, yeah, this is it. I just had that hunch. And it happened. And who else to beat Undertaker Street than a real fucking athlete? A fucking beast. A fucking freak of nature, Brock Lesnar. He only needed one loss. But have Reigns beat him. Shouldn't have happened. But that happened and now he's retired. He retired in good fashion. It was a main event last year. So no... 
John Cena should face Rey Mysterio. That'd be an opponent for Cena, the golden boy, to face. A legend like Rey Mysterio. Why have The Undertaker come back when he retired in such dramatic fashion last year? Um, my other predictions for WrestleMania. I don't know why they put Finn Bauer and Seth Rollins in an Intercontinental title match. They should be, they should both really have been part of the main events for the titles at WrestleMania. But seeing as they're not, they should both have a classic singles match, should Seth and Finn, and have a storyline leading up to it, because that would be a classic, classic wrestling match, like it was at SummerSlam in um, 16, were it? But, they're putting them in a triple threat match, where does that leave Strowman? And, yeah, I agree, I don't think Strowman should be, um, the title should be put on him yet. Because, like they did to Reigns, it didn't work. They forced Reigns down the throat too quick, and that's why people started to boo the shit out of him. So, Strowman is doing the right thing. He's indestructible, kicking ass, fucking eating, motherfuckers eating his fucking hands. And, um... Fucking hell, it's a blizzardy fucking snow out here. It's like a fucking avalanche. All this fucking snow everywhere. Snowing like a motherfucker. But why not put the Intercontinental strap on Strowman? Yeah. See how he does with that. And then... Build him, build him, and build him. And then finally he gets a title. And he becomes... A great title holder that AJ Styles is now. You see, you got to think, it, you know, not everything is wrong with wrestling these days. I mean, you got AJ Styles as the champion now. People should be happy. He's the best in the business. you got him as champion. I want him to remain champion. Because what they did with Jinder Mahal, they're just trying to get a fucking audience in India. Jinder Mahal is... He's, not championship caliber to me. US championship, yeah, maybe. He's, yeah, he's a good heel. But put him against a title, no. No. So that's all I got to fucking say about wrestling. Anyway, I'm going to tell a story about. Um. A story, a real true story about um, Billy Bob Crackhead from Durka in Oldham and uh, Frank, Frank Manshank, Frank Manshank from uh, Limeside. Now, Frank Manshank was a big uh, killer. He used to wear a clown mask and chase uh, 15 year olds and 16 year olds and 17 year old teenagers down a path called Daisy Nut with a clown mask and a big uh, machete and uh, Billy Bob Crackhead well they were both brothers and Billy Bob Crackhead uh, lived in uh, Durka and um, basically every crack spot in Oldham he, he, he um, went to um, he basically marked his territory and every crack spot that you see in Oldham, every crack pipe, every 
dirty crack fucking heroin addict junk spot you see you see billy bob's crackhead's name there now billy bob usually walks around with this fucking um green coat he just walks around all day but the thing is you see him at one place or another You'll see him up in St. Mary's, you'll see him up in Durka, you'll see him down in Limeside or Royton or Chadderton or Grenicus. Where, wherever spot you see him at, that's where the crack will be. And you know who the crack is supplied by? He used to be one of the main guys who did the crack, who, who, who sold the crack back in the day was Billy Bob Crackhead. He used to be called Billy Bob the Crackman. Now he's called Billy Bob Crackhead. Because I'll tell you something about Billy Bob Crackhead. Frank the Shank. Billy Bob Crackhead basically ran the crack cocaine business um, around the town Oldham. He used to sell it, make tons of money, and he used to drive um, a Porsche. We used to do drop-offs around Oldham um, to Fales, Falesworth. Um, this, that's in uh, northeast Manchester, where I'm talking about. Now, Frank the Shank, if Billy Bob, Billy Bob Crackman, when he was called that, Frank the Shankman used to be his enforcer. Anybody who tried to fuck with Billy Bob Crackhead who back in the day was Billy Bob Crackman, Frank the Shank would shank him up. You, That's where he got his na name from, Frank the Shank, because always he would use a knife, never a gun. He would come to a gun battle with a, a knife and he would go from place to place shanking people up. Who owed Billy Bob the Crackman money? Now Frank the Shank uh, shanked a lot of people in his time, but not just for money. He got off on it. It's like every month or every week you'll see him at uh, fucking pubs like the uh, the Dog Inn or the uh, Bucking Union or in Yorkshire Street you see him a lot in Yorkshire Street and all these stabbings that would happen everyone knew who it was it was Frank the shank and never you'd see a dead body or someone in the hospital with a stab wound the, the, the nurses or anyone who knew the underworld would know that it was Frank the shank who did it now this was just over someone who would just look at him and that's why he became such an enforcer he didn't give a fuck about the money, Frank the Shank. He just wanted to stab people up. But he was getting paid just like Billy Bob Crackman was. Then one day, Billy Bob Crackman got sent down. And then this big Jamaican guy called Jaman Jomez. Uh, I think he's Jamaican and Portuguese. Jaman Jomez. He shared a cell with him. Now this was some big black guy. He he was uh he could he could lift like four hundred pounds. And Billy Bob 
crap man, weren't really a fighter. Now he's in jail, he didn't have Frank the Shank as his enforcer. So Frank the Shank was put in charge of the crap business. And he didn't know nothing about money, Frank the Shank. And he didn't like crack. So what he used to do is just sold the whole bulk of crack. And that was it. And then spent his money on buying different knives. And this is when Frank the Shank, Frank Man Shank, as we call him, went nuts why Billy Bob Crackhead was in prison, as did Billy Bob Crackhead. Because without Frank the Shank's help, you're trying to contact Frank the Shank from prison. And uh, he heard that Frank the Shank had sold all his shit. And um, he's basically got an underground uh, living in the basement somewhere in Limeside now uh, collecting different types of knives. And he spent all his money on knives. And he spends most of his day um, in his basements with mannequins cutting the heads off and uh, different just practicing all day with stab techniques and stalking people with knives so just where the story twists is uh Billy Bob Crackhead's got no enforcer Frank the Shank's going crazy no one's got respect for um Frank the Shank anymore because he uh he stabbed a 15 year old uh lad for no reason uh, just um, stalked him as he was walking home and Frank the Shank took him in the bushes uh, fucked him up the ass and um, shanked him up and killed him so that's when people uh, lost the respect for Frank the Shank people wanted to hurt Frank the Shank Frank Man Shank but f no, no one would fuck with Frank Man Shank no one in the whole of Manchester would fuck with Frank Man Shank so Billy Bob Crackhead is in prison. He's not a tough guy. He never has been. But the trauma he suffered from Jason Zomaz, Jamaican guy. I think he lived in Cheatham Hill or something. Um, this is in strange ways. He got just to say his asshole was redder. Than the red apple itself that Adam and Eve ate. That's all I got to say is he was so abused that forever he will be called. Um, his nickname was Apple Ass. No, um, Apple Crack. Um, not Apple Ass. Apple crack because it was so red, it was like an a redder than the most ripe apple that is out there. So, um, he got abused so much. Come out of prison, he had no money, no nothing. So, basically. He turned in, instead of selling crack, he turned into a crackhead. Billy Bob crackhead. And just smoked crack all day. And uh, 
store whatever he wanted. Uh, we usually go into skips and steal uh, scrap metal and stuff like that, or coppers or loads of stuff like wires and anything, even even just books or dirty clothes to sell. Um, at charity shops or even cut himself and um, donate his blood to make money or uh, be a stray, a gay stray in Manchester City Centre. You do this or be a, be a beggar um, or just go into people's houses and befriend them and steal from them. And um, he would always uh, be cooking up crack every house he went to. You'd know the best thing to cook up crack would be. So Billy Bob Crackhead was every crack spot there in Oldham. Billy Bob Crackhead was there. And everyone would talk about him. He was the legend of the crack smoking world. And that's where Billy Bob Crackhead, the legend of smoking crack man, was born. He could cook up the best crack they was and he could smoke it. And it cured his ass crack. Because he didn't feel no pain in his ass crack when he smoked that crack. And he always had it. Just like in the old days. But he was making petty money. He didn't think about dealing. He was just smoking the crack as Billy Bob Crackhead would. Any delicate warehouse, any cluster flat, any dirty back alleyway that had needles or crack pipes. Billy Bob Crackhead was there with all the alcoholics, the crackheads, and everyone would see him round town. He was just this guy in a big fucking green coat going, Fuck Fuck it. Fuck Right, he's got sugar, um, yeah. He's a good fucking shop, or he get caught shoplifting, or he's uh, picking up pennies, or dimps, or you see him in your local scrapyard, or skip, looking to get money, and uh, all these different drug dealers, but he was well known. He always walked around in his green coat, and then everyone, all the crackheads and alcoholics, go, Yeah, that's Billy Bob, the legend. If ever anyone needed crack, smoke, to smoke crack with, they would always want Billy Bob crackhead to smoke with. As before, if anyone wanted crack, they would get it from Billy Bob the crack man, who was a big crack dealer now. He was like, oh, a crackhead, you know, the alcoholics and all that. Just wanted to chill with Billy Bob Crackhead. Um, because you could smoke the crack. And uh, he was just the crack man. Everyone knew him. He, he stood out because of the green coat he wore. And uh, all the places, all the crack places he knew of that Billy Bob Crackhead knew. Even the police used to joke with him saying, yeah, it's Billy Bob Crackheads today. He would make them headline on the news. Why this was happening, his brother, the enforcer, Frank Manshank, would go on a spree. Now this happened